Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Let's open with a word of prayer. Illuminate our hearts, O Lord. With the pure light of your divine knowledge, open the eyes of our mind to the understanding of your gospel teachings. Implant in us also a fear of your blessed commandments, that trampling down all carnal desires may enter upon a spiritual manner of living, both doing and thinking such things that are pleasing to you. For you are the illumination of our souls and bodies, Christ our God, and we give you glory together with the Father who is from everlasting, and your all-holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thank you for the reading. Good morning. Last week, I preached on the way of imitation, about how we are called to imitate, anticipate, and to stand. We are to imitate, imitate, I can't even talk this morning. Let me start all over again. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) We are called to imitate St. Paul as he imitates Christ, as as well as imitating all of the heroes of our faith. We are also to anticipate the return of our Lord and our own transformation, which helps us stand firm against the enemies of the cross that seek to sway us. And in these three readings, there were some, uh, in each one, there were some hard, hard words to hear, and some of them are hard to preach. And I know it feels like, it maybe doesn't feel like it to you, but it kind of feels like to me that, wow, we're really getting some downer texts, like through Lent, <laughs> you know? Like, oh my gosh, these, these texts are so, they can be so... So negative sounding, you know, and, and I think part of the reason why is because our culture, we're so resistant to negativity because we want everything to always be positive. And so when we hear stuff like this, it kind of weighs on us, but we need to hear them. But don't worry, once Easter shows up, all of the verses will be happy because we'll be doing Christ is risen for 40 days. It'll be great. So one thing that I want you all to notice before we, we get into the sermon today is all of these texts have common, a common theme. Well, they all do. All the readings all the time have a common theme. But with the ones that I want you to think about today is all of these texts indicate that there's the, the time itself is limited, that time is building towards something, that there will come a point where time is up. And so like last week, when I gave you those three of, uh, of imitate, anticipate, and stand, today what I want you to think about as you leave today is these three, seek, repent, and learn. So let's look at the reading from Isaiah 55, 1 to 9. There's some really beautiful things in this passage from the prophet Isaiah. And also we have to keep in mind the context of Isaiah is the warning to God's people of coming judgment because of their idolatry, but also mixed in with the Isaiah prophecies is also the coming restoration of God's people. And this reading here begins with this beautiful call that's open to all, like come drink. Everybody is, can come to freely drink the water. And so we ask ourselves, well, what's he talking about? And some commentators point out that earlier in Isaiah, the children of Israel refused to drink water offered to them. So the floodwaters of judgment came upon them. But these waters they once refused are now once again available. And they and all around them should come and freely drink. But not only is water available, but so is wine, milk, and bread. 
And those who have no money are able to freely come and drink and eat to their heart's content without having to pay for it. But the prophet then tells them to listen carefully, because in listening, they will live. He talks about God's covenant with David, and then he talks about how God's covenant with David, he is extending to them individually, right, and as a group. Not, this covenant isn't not just for David, but this covenant is also for you. Not just his family, but also you and your families. Because they will call nations that they don't know. And nations that they don't know will run to them. Because God has glorified them. We see this beautiful and this wonderful promise of restoration and renewal and the ongoing extension of God's kingdom in other nations. And I believe we see this fully realized in Jesus Christ as Christ calls and equips and he sends his disciples out to all nations to spread the good news. But then Isaiah says in verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And this indicates to me that, that associated to this call for those to freely come, freely eat, freely drink, an inclusion in this covenant, there's this conditionality of time. If they are to seek the Lord while he may be found and while he is near, it indicates that there's going to come a time when he will not be near and where he will not be found. And that to me, brothers and sisters, is sobering. Because he says that there will be a time when one will not be able to do what this text says that they are to do. Let the wicked forsake their ways. Let the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. And most importantly, return to the Lord. But if they use their time rightly and seek the Lord, then they will be pardoned and experience this promised renewal. So when we think of the Isaiah passage that we just heard read, we are to seek. We are to seek while there's still time. Then in the reading from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has just finished warning the people about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, as well as calling the Pharisees out for not being able to discern the sign of the times. And this story begins with a mention of a historical event that we don't know about. He talks about Pilate mingling blood with the sacrifices of these, of these slain Galileans. And so if you, you research, there's not a lot of there's, there's a historical, uh, it's hard to find, let me just put it that way. No one really knows what this verse is talking about. So some people say that it could be a reference to Pilate just massacring a whole bunch of people from Galilee on Passover. Uh, it, it could be, it talks about mingling the blood with the sacrifices. So it could be maybe Pilate killed a bunch of people and while they're offering sacrifices in the temple, he's you know, part of the ritual of the temple worship was sprinkling blood on things. So maybe Pilate mingled blood of people with the blood of the sacrificed animals to kind of desecrate everything. I mean, I wouldn't put it out of uh, either of those kind of out of the reach of Pilate because Pilate, you don't know this, he was not a nice guy. We do know about him in history that much that he was not a nice person. He was a very, uh, he was not a good ruler. The point that's raised here though is that this is a tragedy. And then he also talks about the Tower of Siloam falling and killing 18 people. And Jesus says in this story, were these Galileans that were killed by Pilate or were these 18 people that were killed when the tower fell, were they worse sinners than anybody else? And the answer to that obviously is, well, no. 
they weren't. Like, it was generally thought of at this time that if something really bad happened to you, it was a response to you did something really bad, kind of worth punishing or worth judging. But Jesus makes the point here to say, no, this was a tragedy, right? Bad things happen. And just because bad things happen, it doesn't mean that it was divinely sent, right? That God wanted it to happen or that God intended it to happen. Essentially, he's saying no one did anything to deserve that kind of tragedy. And it's interesting that we as human beings, in order to try and make some sense of tragedy, try and attach some type of reason behind horrific events. And as I was preparing this, one of the first things that sprang to mind is remember the hurricanes that swept through and destroyed New Orleans? Not too, a couple years ago. And they're still in the process of rebuilding. But the hurricanes came through and destroyed large chunks of New Orleans. And of course, what happens right away? The TV preachers get on and they say, oh my gosh, we have to pray for these people and love them and send them all of the support and care that they need. Pray for them. Let's mobilize and help them out. No, the TV preachers got on and said, God is judging New Orleans for its debauchery. God is, have you ever been to Mardi Gras? God is judging them for their sin. And he, he caused this to happen, to teach New Orleans a lesson. And Jesus' words here about these tragedies at, at the Tower of Siloam and, and Pilate killing these Galileans, these, I think, serve to show us that sometimes these wicked and terrible tragedies happen, and we don't know why. And there isn't even necessarily a why. And the only why that I can even offer that, I, that, that helps me make sense of the world is the fact that the world itself has been enslaved to death and to sin, just like you and me, right? Creation itself is also waiting to be redeemed. And so if creation is still good, yet like us is, has, has fallen and is under the bondage of sin and death, then that means it will have an effect in the world. <clears throat> terrible things happen because at times our good world can still be a terrible place. But like I said, creation itself is also promised redemption, too. We see this in Romans 8. Salvation is not just for human beings, but for the entirety of the cosmos, for all of creation, for everything that is. So the only thing we can do in response to this type of thing, Jesus says, is to repent. Why? Well, because our own lives may come to a screeching halt at any time. And this is not supposed to necessarily make us afraid, but it is, to make us, it is supposed to make us stop and think about how we are living our lives. Are we living our lives for the glory of God and for the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are we living for ourselves? Are we living selfish, selfishly or selflessly? Are we going to bear fruit like the fig tree in the parable or not? And like Jesus says in the parable, if the fig tree isn't bearing fruit then it's going to get cut down. So we are to repent. When confronted with the unexplainable, we are called to repent. And lastly, we come to the reading from 1 Corinthians 10. And what I want you to take from this today is to learn. In the preceding chapter, St. Paul notes about... It, well, he, he, give, he talks about his life story, right? He says, I gave up my rights so that there's nothing in the way when I bring the gospel of Jesus to others. 
And he kind of lists this stuff. And he was also discussing the problem the Corinthian Christians were part of by partaking and eating in food offered to idols. Now, this would happen in the temple itself. And what was often involved with this sort of eating food sacrificed to, to idols in their temples is also sexual immorality. And to Paul, this reminds them of the story of the children of Israel. So he gives this little history lesson. He says, your ancestors were under the same cloud and they passed through the sea. This is a reference, obviously, to Exodus and God's mighty deliverance of his people. They were fed with spiritual food and spiritual drink, right? The, the heavenly bread that they didn't know what it was. So they called it, what is this? Which is manna that fell down and fed them every day. They were miraculously provided with water from the rock to drink. And he notes that even though they partook of the spiritual food and the spiritual drink, and they experienced the goodness and the love and the deliverance of God's care, most of them fell away and perished in the wilderness. He then lists some examples, most specifically when Moses went up the mountain and didn't come down. So they thought he was dead, right? So Moses goes up to the mountain for, what, like 40 days. God gives him the Ten Commandments. And they're like, Moses is, like two hours later, right? They're like, Moses isn't back yet, so what's going on? <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> and Aaron's like, it's only been two hours, checking his, you know, sundial on his wrist. And then people are like, he's, he's dead. So what are we going to do now, right? And so they, they, they like, we need to make an idol or whatever. So Aaron makes, he takes all the gold. He makes his golden calf. And just as he makes a golden calf, the people get into some real nasty stuff. And as they're doing this, Moses comes down from the mountain and he sees him. And we've all, well, we, most of us have probably seen the Ten Commandments. And Charlton Hessen comes down from the mountain and he sees the people and he takes the commandments and he throws them and they break, right? We know the story and they shatter and... Many of them perish because of that, right? St. Paul lists this example he, because they turned away to idolatry. He says that they should not deny or evil and that they should not be idolatrous or sexually immoral. Like I said, both things that would happen in the context of worship in a pagan temple at Corinth. Participating in these things, Paul sees as putting Christ to the test in the exact same way the children of Israel put Christ to the test in the wilderness. So after all of this, St. Paul says, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So he says, you need to learn from your ancestors, right? You need to learn to not fall into the same mistakes and into the same patterns of sin. These stories are didactic in that they have something to teach the Corinthian church and indeed all churches and that those lessons will help them avoid putting God to the test. He then says, this, very, this is a very popular verse in the Bible, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Notice here this verse doesn't say what many people think it says, right? So when we hear this verse, people will often say things like, God will never let anything happen to you that you're not able to bear. But that's not what this verse says. This verse doesn't say things are going to happen to you that you're not going to be able to bear. This verse is talking about temptation, particularly the temptation of, of idolatry. What St. Paul is saying, when we are tempted, God will provide a way of escape, 
But I like what a commentator named Witherington, he said, Paul believes God never allows a Christian to be tempted to such a degree that by God's grace, one cannot resist or find a way of escape. And here's what he says that I, that I love. He says, this does not mean that one will necessarily resist. Right? So for all of us, when we are tempted, we are, when we are enticed, when we are drawn away by sin, there is a way of escape for us. But we don't always take that way of escape. When I go to a buffet, and I've already had three plates of food, and I'm walking past, and I see that delicious uh, hibachi, and I'm like, I could get one more plate of hibachi shrimp, right? But I've already eaten three plates. I don't need to go for another three plates. The way for me to resist that temptation is to, if I'm already holding the plate, hopefully I haven't put any food on it, to put the plate down, to step away, and to go, right? And pay for my food and leave. And then cry about how much I already ate beforehand, right? But sometimes I don't do that. And I'm using this as a silly example, right? There is a way of escape that God has provided for me, but I actually have to put the plate down and step away, right? For some people, what they need to do their way of escape is they need to put down their phone or they need to close their laptop or they need to turn off their computer or they need to take their game console and maybe shut it off for a couple of days and hide it in the attic, right? There are different ways of escape for us based on what we are dealing with. But brothers and sisters, we are called, or we are asked to take that way of escape. God making a way of escape for us doesn't do anything for us. Well, it does do something for us, but we have to take it. We have to make that step. We have to follow in the way that he's given, he, he's given us to get away from it. Because when we do that, then we can endure it. And then Paul ends in verse 14. He says, flee from idolatry. And brothers and sisters, that is what we are learning, that we are to flee from idolatry. We are to flee from sin. We learn so we can flee. And so as we think about these three, uh, t- these three readings today, as we seek, as we repent, and as we learn, we should also keep this in mind as well, that God is good and that God loves us. And when we think about seeking, we should remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 7. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And when we think of repenting when time is limited, we should also remember the words of Peter in 2 Peter 3, 9 to 10. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient, thank goodness, towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The Lord is patient with us. Thank goodness he's patient with us. Right. Some of us lose our patience really, really, really quickly. That's why we all make terrible gods. We would all make terrible gods. And Ezekiel also reminds us in uh, chapter 33, 11, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. When somebody who, who, who's known for evil dies, right? A lot of times you'll see on social media, on well, good, I'm glad he's dead. They were a terrible person. They deserved it. Scripture tells us, you know who doesn't delight in the death of the wicked? God. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He desires that they turn from their way and live. 
And this passage here in Ezekiel 11 closes with, turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And so as we continue through this season of Lent, as we seek the Lord, as we repent and turn away from those things that are trying to ensnare us, and as we learn, right, as we learn, gathered here at the church, hearing the word of the Lord, as we learn from scripture and from our life experience, all those things that God is using us to form us and to shape us, as we learn, we are being conformed into the image of Christ. So even as we talk about the conditionality of the time, right, that time will run out, we also understand that God is patient, that God is loving, and that God desires the repentance of all who will seek him. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting, and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I ask that you take a few minutes and help us if you could. We've recently begun fundraising efforts for some repairs that our building really, really needs. If you could, go to our Facebook page, Zionstone United Church of Christ, or our website, zionstoneucc.com. You'll see a link to a fundraising page we've set up at GoFundMe, which I'll include in the description of this episode and all episodes moving forward. GoFundMe.com slash SaveZionstoneUCC. If you could help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, please keep us in prayer as we go through this fundraising process. You can also, please, if you have some time, rate us on iTunes, and you can also find this podcast on Spotify as well. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless you.